Welcome to Biology for Bastards, teaching biology in the most profane way you've ever seen or heard. I'm your host, John Doty. Thanks for listening. We're going through the AP Biology curriculum one chapter, one week, one whatever at a time. We're almost done. Nearing the home stretch, we are in chapter 53, talking about population ecology. So, you know, how populations interact and all that shit. So, just to remind you, in case you have forgotten, a population is a group of individuals, same species, living in the same area. And there's two really important um, properties of a population that you talk about when you're talking about population ecology. You have population density, which is the exact same fucking thing as it is in, like, geography or whatever that shit is, where it's, like, the number of individuals living in living in a given area. That's population density. It's a number per unit of area. And then the population dispersion also I've heard it as population distribution. Um, that is how they are spaced or how they're spread out within that area. And there's three types of dispersal. There's clumped, uniform, and random. And their names tells you exactly what the fuck they are. Clump dispersal is, you know, the most common type. It's where you've got little clusters here and then a bunch of space and little clusters there. So think of like schools of fish or packs of animals. That's clump dispersal. Um, uniform dispersal is where they're evenly spaced out in all directions. It happens some um, easily seen with plants where they kind of have this antagonistic relationship with other plants. So there is a plant and then an area of nothing around it. And then as soon as those, um, you know, chemicals that they release into the ground kind of wear off, you can have another plant. So you have this evenly spaced shit. And then random is just totally random. Okay, it's a, that's the rarest one. Which you would think, you know, animals are just kind of randomly spaced out, but that's not the case. Um, now, when you're determining population size or population density, um, there's a couple of ways to do it. You don't, we're not going to get into it. You don't really need to know that much about it, but it's, you can do random sampling, this mark and recapture method, or the one that sounds like a total pain in the ass, um, would be to count every single fucking individual that you can find and say, well, there's that many there because I counted every single one of them. Um, now, um, this study where we're looking at the size, the density, the dispersal, all that shit, that's demography. It's a study of populations. And, you know, you can form a life table as you're doing demography, and it's just this chart that shows all sorts of shit. Um, you know, number of, well, it's broken into age groups. So depending on the organism, it could be like a year per group. It could be five year. So you have all these different cohorts and you show stuff like the number of births during that year, the number of deaths. You can have the death rate, the birth rate, the life expectancy. Um, typically, they're broken up by the sexes. So there's male and female at each cohort of each cohort. Um, so 
real good picture of one of those on the slides that are posted on the website, biologyforbastards.com. We have PowerPoints, or I shouldn't say, we have slides, we have whatever. We have the notes for every episode we've ever done posted along with that episode on the website. So you can go back and review or follow along. I say that every week, but, you know, what the fuck. Whatever. Now, the life table just has a summary of the survival pattern of the population. Now, if you wanted to make it a little more visually appealing, that's where you get a survivorship curve. And there's three types. Okay? All three are going to show the, you know, the number of individuals alive at each age. Um, usually it's based on percentage because, you know, like the percentage of the life expectancy because if you're comparing different organisms you might have something that lives five years and you might have something that lives a hundred years so you want to do it in the percentage of the life expectancy the maximum age or the average age and there are three types there's type one type two type three humans us we are type one and type one is defined as or by having a low death rate for early in life so babies do a good job living anymore um, but then as you approach the maximum lifespan then you have this increase in the number of deaths so it's pretty flat of a line and then it just drops off towards the end best way to try to describe it again there's a picture go and check it out um, type 2 is where you have a constant death rate regardless or irregardless, no matter the age. So you have an equal chance of dying when you're, you know, 10% of the maximum lifespan or 90% of the maximum lifespan. You have an equal chance of dying every single day of your life. And then type 3 is kind of... Um, the opposite of type 1. It's where you have this really high death rate early in life, and essentially, if you make it to adulthood, you're good. Your life is set. You are golden. So, the examples um, for those, like I said, humans are type 1. Um, squirrels are a good example of type 2, and then, like, oysters and insects and all that stuff, they are a type 3. Now, there is some math you can do when you're dealing with change in population size and the math brace basic basically basically breaks down into the change in your total population is going to be equal to the number of births minus the number of deaths which is super fucking obvious but that being said there are different ways that the population will actually change and we know if you have zero population growth, you're not growing at all. Deaths and births cancel each other out, so nothing's really happening. If you are growing, well, a negative population growth just means you have more deaths than births and your population's going to disappear and you're fucked. That would be bad. But if you are growing, if you have positive growth, you can grow either exponentially or logistically. Um, exponential growth happens under ideal condi conditions. Fuck, that was a hard word. It's early. 
It may not be early when you're listening, but it's early when I'm recording, so apologies. Um, but exponential growth, you have to have ideal conditions, and you grow very quickly. And it's typically shown with bacteria because the math is easy because one splits into two, two to four, four to eight, eight to 16, 16 to 32, 32 to 64, to 128, to 256, on down the line. And the same amount of time, you are adding more and more organisms. That is why you're growing exponentially. And that is why you need ideal conditions because you're going to be supporting a shit ton of individuals in a really short amount of time. So the math for that, the equations shown um, on the slides, keep saying that because there's a lot of pictures in this one, um, but it's basically the change in population is equal to the growth rate times the population size. So I went super fucking easy. And there's a sample problem if you want it, but um, exponential growth like that it's actually pretty rare because you do have to have ideal conditions and you're going to end up with a shit ton of shit in a really short amount of time. And as a result, most types of growth that you experience or that organisms experience is logistic growth. It makes an S-shaped curve. And what logistic growth does is it incorporates this concept known as the carrying capacity, which is abbreviated with a K. And it's the maximum population that the environment can um, stably support. So you might be able to support more than that, but it's not going to be stable. So carrying capacity is the magic number of individuals that can be supported by a given environment. And the math for that's a little more compli complicated. Fuck. I cannot speak this morning. Um, where you have the change in population is equal to you still have the growth rate times the population size but you've got to factor in what percentage of the carrying capacity is the population at so it's growth rate times population size all that shit multiplied by the difference between the carrying capacity and the population size divided by the carrying capacity so again, I'm trying to just explain a mathematical formula with fractions and sh parentheses and shit. Um, just go look at it. Just go check it out, please. Thank you. Now, when it comes to all this growth, we've got to look at the life history of the organism. Because what the life history does is it there are certain traits that will affect when and how often and how likely... Um, an organism is to reproduce and there's three main variables associated with the life history um, the age of sexual maturation because obviously you can't have babies if you're not sexually mature that's fucking obvious um, how often each organism is going to be able to reproduce and then the number of offspring each organism has during each reproduction event so these are you know evolutionary outcomes it's important to know that it's not something where they're like oh well i'm gonna have like five babies right now and i'm gonna have a baby this year next year in the year it's just part of evolution it's what's evolved for that organism and there's two types of um, reproductive reproductive patterns that have evolved there's simul parity and iteroparity and it's basically 
the difference between like a shotgun and a rifle where you're just going uh, with symbol parity you're making a shit ton of babies all at once and you're just hoping some of them are going to survive so it's you're casting a very wide net lots of babies lots of death um but that's really helpful in a very unstable environment because you're getting this large amount of diversity all at once and odds are some are going to be able to survive some are going to be fit enough for that unstable environment now itero parity is the opposite it's where you have a lot of reproductions but each reproduction event only gives you a very small number of offspring and that's really good for stable environments and a lot of times with itero parity the parents are involved and help with that um, care I was gonna say prenatal care but that's wrong like the childhood care help raising the young where with simul parity a lot of times the parents might just die because it's less competition for their kids so very different there simul parity just being gonna have a thousand fucking kids and 10 might survive and then I'm going to die so I reproduce once itero parity is like I'm going to have one kid but I'll do it 10 different times and they'll all survive okay so um, when you talk about that you don't use simul parity and itero parity a whole bunch um, you usually use like k selection or r selection or k type or r type um, k type or k selection are the ones with the large amount of care the high amounts of care not large high amounts of care the low birth numbers that's what we do that's the itero parity the k selection um, and it's called k selection because you live around k which is the carrying capacity because you can have this more controlled population because you are caring for your young you are just having babies when the babies are gonna live and then R selection is your exponential growth where you're maximizing your reproductive success. Shit ton of babies, shit ton of dead babies. Um, but, you know, it still works. So one is not better than the other. They're equally good. They're just two very different strategies trying to achieve the same goal. Now, when they have to survive, there are different factors that are going to affect our growth and we lump those factors into two categories density dependent and density independent you can figure the fuck out the name tells you what it is that's the great thing about ecology ecology is so fucking straightforward and simple there's very few things that are super confusing it's just their names lay everything out so density dependent factors the population density matters okay so things like predation disease competition um stress from overcrowding all that shit those are density dependent as you become denser as the population becomes denser these become more and more of a factor density independent factors on the other hand population doesn't give a shit population density does not matter at all so these are big events and a lot of times think natural disasters forest fires floods weather shit like that 
you're screwed whether you're the only one or there's a thousand of you or whatever. Now, it is really hard to get a truly density independent factor because a lot of times it will snowball. No pun intended with whole weather shit. But it will snowball and the density independent factor will affect a density dependent factor. So if there's a giant ass blizzard, that's going to be density independent but it's going to make food harder to find increasing competition and competition is density dependent. So these different factors will interact with the populations, cause these cycles to happen and really affect your population. So all these factors affect humans. We are, you know, K type, type one, we have density dependent factors, density independent factors. We got all this shit affecting us too. But the, we have two main ways that we kind of hover around zero population growth. Right? And for most of human history, we had a very, very low population growth. And for a lot of countries right now, we have a very low population growth. Most of the growth in the human population is only happening in a handful of countries. It's like 10, 15 countries in the world where most of the population growth is happening. And when we transition from the historic low population growth or zero population growth to the nowadays zero population growth or low population growth, we call that transition the demographic transition because historically... We had a shit ton of babies and a shit ton of people were dying. So we had high birth rates and high death rates. Nowadays, we have far fewer babies and far few people, individuals are dying. So we have a low birth and a low death rate. So that's what the demographic transition is. This transition from high birth and high death rates to low birth and low death rates. That's all it is. Now... I do want to get on a soapbox and just a little baby rant about life expectancy. The life expectancy for people, for humans throughout history, was like 30 or 40 years old. But when you think about any history you've ever learned, the person responsible for that history is an old ass white guy. Now that's fucked up, but the important thing is he was old. There were plenty of old shits walking around. Life expectancy takes people who are born one year and then it averages out the age at which they die. So, back in the day, infant mortality was very high. It was hard to raise a baby when you barely had food and no sanitation and all that shit. So, infant mortality was high. So, if you had an individual born who died at one and an individual born the exact same day and they died at 79... Life expectancy would be 40 years. So there were plenty of old people walking around back in the day. It's not like a 50-year-old was like a fucking unicorn and this mythical thing. No, there were plenty of old people. Okay, off my soapbox, just wanted that little rant out there. Um, So like I said, The demographic transition is when you are going from those high birth and high death rates, like it historically was, to low birth and low death rates. And when you map these out on an age structure diagram, 
which I'm not going to fucking explain because it's a fucking picture and it's hard to explain. Just look it up either on the website or just Google age structure diagram and see what it actually looks like. It just maps stuff out. And there's three different patterns that result when you map it out, either one that's showing rapid growth, slow growth, or no growth, because those are your three fucking choices. Um, now, when you look at the carrying capacity for the, the planet, because I said most of the population growth is happening in just a handful of countries, people argue about what the carrying capacity of the planet actually is. Some people feel we've already surpassed it and we just artificially increased it with all our technology. Other people say we have not yet reached it, but we're getting there. But that brings in the discussion of an ecological footprint. Because what the ecological fo footprint is, it's all the resources um, and all the land, the water, all that shit needed for a person to live their life. That's the ecological footprint. So really smart people have done some math and have come up with a number of like 1.7 hectare acres is what is sustainable for the planet, given the current population. Americans, we're assholes, and our footprint is damn near 5 to 10 times that amount on average. average on average, 5 times that amount. Um, there's people who have a much larger footprint. Um, that's where, you know, being eco-friendly, doing nice stuff for the environment, that's where that comes in. But that is our population ecology shit. That brings us to the end. So, um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that shit I say every week. Um, it really does help get the word out there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at Bio for Bastards on all of those. You can check out our website, biologyforbastards.com. Yeah, and just keep spreading the word. We've only got three more episodes of this season, and I'm already working on season two. That'll come out spring, some early summer, something like that. Um, need a little break to get all the shit together, but it's definitely happening. So even if there is a little break, um, keep spreading the word because we will be back. And we being me, we being all the bastards listening. Um, let's see. Our intro and outro music is a song Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. And that's it. So until next time. Thanks for listening. So you may have just heard an ad, but I can't end with an ad. So just wanted to say, follow us on Twitter at Bio4Bastards. Um, our intro and outro music is Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, tell everybody you know about it. And again, thanks.
Thanks for listening.